Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The CDC announced today it would be relaxing its guidance for outdoor masking for people who have received the COVID-19 vaccine, citing the very low risk of outdoor transmission, something anyone with half a brain knew about a year ago. Like me. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold The Line, I'm Buck Sexton. They give you crumbs and expect you to act like it's a big, beautiful birthday cake. They give you just little bits of your freedom back and you're supposed to be thankful. Well, why did they take that freedom under the rubric of COVID restriction for your safety in the first place? That's the question that I always want to ask. Should they have ever done this? No. Was this ever justified? No, in fact, it was not. But now it has become untenable for them to continue. And so finally today, the CDC came out with an announcement. An announcement that, are you ready? You can, if you're vaccinated, be outside alone in fresh air and not wear a mask. Oh, that's so wonderful. You should be so happy. Except anybody who knows anything about basic epidemiology, reads, thinks for themselves, has known that You weren't at any risk outside alone in the first place. And the fact that they're limiting this to vaccinated people as if the unvaccinated still need to be really careful outside by themselves, this is crazy. But to add to the crazy, we had none other than old man Biden coming out to tell us that uh, this is a moment that we've earned because we've done all the right things. And finally, they'll just, just give us a little smidgen of normalcy back and we're supposed to be thankful. Here's what the commander in chief, the commander in in grief had to say, play it. And because of the extraordinary progress we've made in fighting this virus and the progress our scientists have made in learning about how it gets transmitted. Earlier today, the CDC made an important announcement. Starting today, if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors, you need, and not in a big crowd, you no longer need to wear a mask. Hmm. So if you're vaccinated and not in a crowd and not in a place like a, a ball game or something else, you know, you, you, you don't have to wear a mask. This was always unscientific, unenforceable, absurd, and most normal people ignored it. Although here in New York City, I'll tell you, on the way into the studio today, drove through Times Square, about 75% of the people, give or take, that I saw walking on the streets by themselves, open air, masked up. Because these are the the wages of the Fauciite insanity, unfortunately. This is what we end up with. But don't don't get too, you know, don't get too ahead of yourself here. Because you still have to outdoor mask according to the CDC slash Biden. Notice how they're all coordinated on this. Hmm. You still have to mask even if you're outdoors, if there's a crowd. Here's what he says. I want to be absolutely clear. If you're in a crowd, 
like a stadium or at a conference or a concert, you still need to wear a mask, even if you're outside. Why? Why? This is crazy. It's almost impossible to get this stuff outside. That's what all the data shows. You can't say impossible because maybe there's, you know, one in 10,000 or one in 100,000 cases. We're going to be held to that standard? This is madness. Outdoors is not a considerable risk. It is unreasonable to expect anyone to mask up outside as a matter of law or mandate. If you want to do it, go for it. You want to stifle yourself all summer outside in the fresh air. You want to walk around. Go for it. I, no one on the, on the questioning Fauci side has a problem with individuals taking their own precautions to protect themselves. Go for it. But no, they always want to force you to do it too. They always want to make the determinations for everybody, even when their determinations are absurd. Keep in mind, they have said that there are outdoor, that there have been outdoor mask mandates now in some places for almost a year. And why are they saying they're relieving them, uh, relieving it now? Oh, it's because of the vaccine. No, the, the, the data shows that this has never been, it has never been a considerable risk. But you know what they want you to know? Just keep listening to them. Don't ask any questions, peasant. And maybe one day you'll have that basic human experience of being outside alone in the fresh air and not have to think, oh, am I, Am I with one household or several households? Is this a big group or a small group? Do I need one mask or two masks? Am I fully vaccinated or only partially or not vaccinated? One day you might experience normal life again. Just be quiet and do what they say. Here's Biden telling you that. I urge all Americans, don't let up now. Keep following the guidance. Go get your vaccination now. It's free and it's convenient. 90% of the American people live within five miles of a site where you can get a vaccination. You can do this, and we will do this. Hmm. Notice they won't tell you what the numbers are here. When do we get to just say enough's enough? At what point is it fair to say that people have had enough time to get vaccinated? So that's it, right? We get to just, it's, it's at that point, it's on everybody to protect themselves. We've had enough time for everybody to get vaccinated. How long do we wait? If 10% of the population won't get vaccinated, do we have to stay with these restrictions? This was absurd. I mean, the CDC guidance today, they're, the stuff that they're saying, 90% of Americans are already doing the things that the CDC is saying, well, now you're allowed to, as if the lab coat tyrants live in some alternate universe and they don't even know what Americans are actually up to at any given time. Oh, and if you're wondering how contradictory and absurd so much of this is, Joe Biden, in a speech where he's explaining, Joe Biden's vaccinated, we all know, they made a big deal of it. In his speech where he's explaining how they're all vaccinated, Joe Biden walked out to the podium outdoors by himself with a mask on. If the risk is so low outdoors, why doesn't this new guidance apply to everybody? Because the science indicates that the most certain way to make sure it doesn't spread if both people have been vaccinated, the people you're with, and you're outside. And you chose to wear a mask, sir. You chose to wear a mask. You chose to wear a mask as you walked out here. What message were you sending by wearing a mask outside alone? By watching me take it off and not put it back on until I get inside. Ah. Oh, he's so clever, isn't he? 
No, of course, because this is now, it's now a habit. It's like, wearing a, it's like wearing a Biden-Harris 2020 sign on your face now. The more you mask, the more Democrat you are, the more left-wing you are. Mask, vaccinated, outside, by yourself. The president did that, but he's Mr. Science, setting a good example for people. You had enough yet? You think it's dumb enough that they'll finally start to just let their little tyrannical grip go? I've got some questions for them. What about those of us who've already had COVID? We've recovered, we have antibodies, we have immunity. They say we don't know how long the immunity lasts. Is that immunity better or worse than the vaccine immunity? They don't know, can't give you an answer. Why should we get the vaccine? Are we sure that that's necessary? Why should that be mandated for people when they don't even have the answer? Ah, because so much of this is about power and control and making you do things that the state says you must do. Because the most hysterical leftists in our society have been the ones calling the shots on COVID all along. All right, after the break, lawyers to the family of a man killed by police in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, are calling the man's death an execution, further inflaming an already tense situation when it comes to police and the African-American community. We got more on that when we come back. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't have the time to do it on your own? I felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago. I've always loved the idea of real estate investments, but I didn't know how to invest in real estate while staying committed to my profession. I do five hours of original programming and content every day. How could I possibly take the time to invest in real estate on my own? Then I met my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. They managed the tenant for me. And now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. They'll take you through every step of the process, picking the city that you want to start in, the house, getting you a broker, getting the loan set up, even getting a tenant in place. All you have to do right now to start that whole real estate investment journey is go to doneforyoubuck.com. Just go to that website, doneforyoubuck.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Disturbing new video shows an NYPD officer attacked in broad daylight. It happened yesterday in Queens as the detective was processing another crime scene. A Bronx man has been arrested and charged with assault. New York Detectives Endowment Association tweeted, Welcome to NYC. Even as our detectives investigate crimes, they're attacked by emboldened criminals who have quickly realized there are no consequences for lawbreakers in our city. The DEA is calling for this violence to be fully prosecuted as we look to file civil charges. I mean, let, let's get into the, this sad reality 
that our police officers are facing across the country and how the narrative has gotten to this place. First of all, there's another incident, this one in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, body camera footage of a lethal police use of force incident involving a man named Andrew Brown. Now, the family has seen 20 seconds of body camera footage shown to them by the police, by the authorities down in North Carolina. They're claiming um, that they need to see more. And here's an attorney for Andrew Brown uh, saying that this was an execution. Let's be clear. This was an execution. Andrew Brown was in his driveway. The sheriff truck blocked him in his driveway, so he could not exit his driveway. Andrew had his hands on his steering wheel. He was not reaching for anything. He wasn't touching anything. He wasn't throwing anything around. He had his hands firmly on the steering wheel. Now, that's a very serious allegation, an execution, a murder by cop is what this lawyer is saying to the public. And at this time of heightened tensions around law enforcement, that's certainly going to come with real consequences. Is anyone going to care if she was wrong? Will anyone apologize if it turns out that this was not the case, it was a misrepresentation? No, because right now the narrative is, as long as you're trashing cops, you're gonna be fine. As long as you're blaming law enforcement for the problems of society, for violence in our communities, it doesn't matter if you're factual, you're emotionally correct. That's what matters more than anything else. Well, this is resulting in some really uh, really negative consequences for cities and towns all across the country already. We're seeing this. Uh, for example, I uh, mentioned the NYPD before. The largest police department in the country, as you can extrapolate from this, it's happening in many other places too. NYPD departures are up 75%. In 2019, 3,053 left the force permanently. In 2020, 5,346. What happens here, and just so you know, I at one point worked for the NYPD myself, as a civilian contractor uh, analyzing counterterrorism for the intelligence division of the NYPD, so I have some familiarity with this department, uh, people get close to their retirement and they decide, I don't want to take this risk. I don't want to be out on the street or involved in, in any police uh, work that could get me put on video, uh, sued, and just in general feeling like, they're not being backed for what they're doing by the political powers that be, because they're not. What's the, what's the point? Why stick your neck out as a law enforcement officer anywhere across the country when you know that you could be fed to the wolves so quickly? Uh, the Sergeant's Benevolence Association here tweeted out, Mayor de Blasio has allocated $30 million to bring tourism back to NYC. Welcome to the city of violence. Shootings and homicides plague NYC and the numbers aren't final. No, in fact, we just know the numbers are really, really bad. Now, if, if you listen to the national media, what you find is that there's this belief, uh, brother, here, here's the murders across Minneapolis up 72, Chicago up 50, New York City up 39, Los Angeles up 30. Nationally, murders in 2020 up 37%. My friends, that is catastrophic. That's appalling. That is jaw-dropping. And we know why it happened. The BLM movement, the undermining of police. But what you won't get from these statistics, because the media likes to 
cover a lot of this up. They only focus on one incident here, one incident there of police use of force and suggest that that's the reality of policing all across the country. There's a new CBS News YouGov poll that found that 70% of black Americans believe their local police are doing a somewhat or very good job. The remaining uh, 30% said the police were doing a somewhat or very bad job. So you've got a clear majority that think that law enforcement are good to very good in their community. 30% really don't like the cops, right? That's what this is telling you. Think they're doing a bad job at a minimum. Um, this is resulting in an exodus, as I said, of police officers all across the country. Here you go. Here's just a, a slew of headlines. National exodus of police officers. You've got police in Philly and beyond struggling with a shortage of recruits, a surge in retirements. Uh, you've got Massachusetts Police Department see pretty depressing decline in potential new re rec uh, recruits. Forbes says amid calls for reform across the nation, police uh, struggle with recruiting and retention. They're, not only is it the people that are leaving, it's tougher to get good officers, good law enforcement folks to join up in the first place. New Jersey's having this problem. This is all over the country. Responding to the reality here of the politicization of incidents involving cops for the benefit of the Democrat Party power structure. Of course people don't want to be putting themselves on the line in this situation. There are better ways to make a living if you're not going to be supported. People become cops to serve their communities. They don't do it to get rich, that's for sure. And yet how do we treat them? Well, the media treats them with disdain and disrespect, and it's appalling. It's appalling. And they lie about them. And this results in very real consequences, including things like major crime spikes, which means more people are dead, more people assaulted, raped, suffer from burglaries, home invasions, more victims of crime across the country because the Democrats want to point the finger at cops and say, societal dysfunctions are your fault. Stop blaming the cops. That's step one. A report from the New York Times claims that current White House climate czar John Kerry privately informed Iran of covert military operations carried out by Israel. And this was back when John Kerry was Secretary of State. Closer look at the bombshell revelation with the editor of the Algaminer, David Ifoun, is going to be up next when Hold the Line returns. I've warned you about home title theft. That's where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the owner. I said, you better get home title lock because it's coming. Well, if you're on Facebook, the big breach is already here. Facebook had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cybercrime expert, everything thieves need to take over as the new owner of your home was leaked. Name, address, personal information, it's out. The thief forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. He'll leave you in debt or even have you evicted from your home. Look, do what I did. Protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, go to HomeTitleLock.com and use promo code RADIO. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. Take action to protect your home today. Madam President, I rise today on the Senate floor to call for the resignation of John Kerry as a member of the Biden administration's National Security Council. John Kerry's record 
of undermining working families and working against American national security interests is too much to bear. He needs to go. That was Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan calling for the resignation of Biden's climate czar, John Kerry. The call comes after New York Times, uh, the New York Times reported that Kerry discussed covert Israeli military operations in Syria with Iran's foreign minister while serving as then-President Barack Obama's Secretary of State. According to audio leaked to the newspaper, the foreign minister claimed Kerry informed him that Israel had attacked Iranian interests in Syria at least 200 times. Kerry is denying the report, tweeting yesterday evening, I can tell you that this story and these allegations are unequivocally false. This never happened, either when I was Secretary of State or since. Not sure I'm going to take Kerry's word for it. Joining me now, the editor of the Alga Miner, David Afoon. David, good to see you. Always a pleasure, Buck. Tell me, what is going on here? Just give us the the lay of the land of this story, the allegations in this New York Times piece. Why is Kerry on the hot seat? Why does this matter? Well, the allegations are, you know, as a result of, of a recording that has come, that has surfaced of uh, Javad Zarif, Iran's foreign minister, uh, speaking very frankly. Um, the allegation is that John Kerry was discussing with a leader of a, of a hostile state, an enemy state, a state that is the world's leading state sponsor of terror, details of covert operations that were being carried out in the region by an ally, a very, very close ally, a democratic ally, Israel, um, it, that were obviously vital and necessary and relevant to their own national security interests and national security interests of the West. Now, obviously, you know, th this, this kind of discussion and, and, and the disclosure of this kind of information uh, obviously, it's going to be verified, and Kerry's denying it. But certainly, uh, if this is found to be true, is uh, devastating to to the ability of U.S. allies uh, to trust the United States on national security issues, especially in that very, very uh, delicate region there in the Middle East. David, based on John Kerry's general orientation, feelings toward relationship with Javad Zarif, but also just the mullahs uh, in Tehran, the Iranian regime generally, do, do you find this allegation credible? I mean, it's, it's serious. It's serious. I mean, this was a claim from, from, from Zarif, and Zarif is, is, is not a paragon of honesty himself, to be frank. Um, it's also not likely to have been a revelation to the Iranians. They know that these uh, operations have been going on, and, and they know that Israel is most likely behind it. But I think what it speaks to is, is a much larger and, and worrying, disturbing attitude that we've seen from members of this administration and members of the Obama administration that really plays fast and loose with Israel's national security interests. Um, they have to recognize, even if they have a different worldview and a different perspective of what can or can't be achieved with talks and diplomacy with the Iranian regime, the Iranian regime is an enemy. Israel is an ally. And they can never forget that dynamic. And the way that they are, are, are acting with and treating and, and maintaining dialogue between those two and two countries and two interested parties has to reflect that. If it does not reflect that, then something is very, very wrong with how things are being conducted 
uh, by this administration in the Middle East. David, we had the White House uh, press secretary asked about this issue, Jen Psaki. Here's what she said. In tapes obtained by the New York Times, Iran's foreign minister says that former Secretary of State John Kerry informed him that Israel attacked Iranian interests at least 200 times. Um, you know, as the secretary has shifted roles, uh, he still continues to represent the United States on a world stage. Does the president have any comment or reaction to Kerry telling the Iranians um, about covert military action on the part of Israel? We're not going to comment on leaked tapes. That's uh, that's a non-comment comment, I know, but uh, you'd think that this would be an easy one to shoot down. I mean, to, to say, it, it's like she's saying, well, it's almost as though you're asking me to talk about classified information. Not really. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think I think what's, what's important, and, you know, maybe some of this is happening behind the scenes, but it's an important to publicly telegraph to all of the players in the region um, and give the Israelis the, this confidence that the United States um, is going to act in a way that is responsible uh, for, for an allied power. Um, and, you know, obviously, um, the Israeli value, the value that Israel brings to the United States in terms of intelligence sharing, in terms of military cooperation, in terms of, you know, all manner and all, all level of resources, um, is at risk um, if they don't feel that, that that trust is a two-way street with the administration, if they don't feel that, um, you know, when, when there, are, there are details that, that they're able to share as a result of, of you know, exercising assets at great risk on the ground, um, that's not going to compromise their security in any way and is not going to end up in the hands of not just a, 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 an allied different country, but really an enemy, the greatest enemy, that the Jewish state faces in the region and that the Western world is contending with in the region. David, what are your expectations going forward from what you've seen so far? We're at the 100-day mark, give or take, of this Biden administration, right? We're, we're at that phase now where uh, we're looking at what's gone on so far, and, and people are saying, this is a foreign policy that certainly has some familiarity if you paid attention to the Obama administration. What do you think is going to happen in this part of the world, particularly with Iran and, and the relationship that we have with Israel over the next uh, couple of years of the Biden administration? Look, the policy that we're seeing unfolding vis-a-vis -vis Iran really is inexplicable. It's inexplicable to observers of the region. It's inexplicable to U.S. allies in the region. You know, you have a scenario where really the, the United States and the West had Iran's back against the wall. Their national reserve had gone from $100 billion down to $4 billion. Um, they were more or less in check. Their belligerence in the region was limited. They had certainly far less resources to spend on regional adventurism and expansionism and their, their proxies. Um, the, the sort of harassment that we saw of, of foreign vessels um, in waters around the area were, were far more limited. Um, really, their, their back was, was against the ropes. Um, at the same time, you've got this history showing that, you know, when Iran feels uh, weakness, when it feels like the, the pressure is off, is exactly when it starts to raise its demands and to increase its belligerent activity. Uh, but when the pressure is on is, is when it takes its step back. So we've tried the approach 
of this administration and the Obama administration before it. We've tried the approach of, of, of the Israelis and their regional allies that was deployed mostly by the Trump administration. And we see what's been most effective. Um, after, after having tried and tested the various approaches to jump back um, into a path that really doesn't work and, and, and there's limited chance of, of achieving what the desired results are for the reason, doesn't make any sense to people um, who are watching closely what's going on. David Afoon, editor-in-chief of The Algaminer. Go to algaminer.com to read his and his journalists' coverage there. David, always good to see you. <laughs> Pleasure. Tensions are rising in the Republican caucus as Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy refuses to say Representative Liz Cheney should remain a House GOP leader. We'll talk about the growing rift in the Republican Party and also where's the GOP heading with the author of Hillbilly Elegy, J.D. Vance, when we come back. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If Donald Trump were the 2024 nominee, would you support him? I would not. Okay, Liz Cheney. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney adding more fuel to the fire as tensions between Republican House leaders are escalating. In an interview with Politico, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said, quote, when leaders don't work as a team, it creates difficulties. Hmm, you don't say. We got J.D. Vance with us now. He is the author of the mega bestseller, Hillbilly Elegy. He's joining me to talk about the future, uh, current and future state of the GOP and perhaps some of his own political aspirations. J.D., great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Buck. Good to see you. What do you make of the back and forth right now, it seems, between what I think we could loosely term, and all these descriptions are imprecise and people could quibble over them, but the more establishment wing of the GOP, which clearly seems to be trying to reassert itself at some level, and the, the remnants of, I suppose, the MAGA movement. Well, I think in a lot of ways we all knew this would happen. I mean, you know, folks on our side of this debate have been talking about this for a few years, that there would be this moment, whether it happened in 2000 or 2024, where the Republican Party deba debated 
what is it in the wake of the Trump presidency? Is it a Trumpist or populist or what have you party? Or does it go back to the old ways of doing things that were so unsuccessful in 2000, 2004 and beyond? And, you know, the, the unfortunate thing for the folks in the establishment wing of the party is I just don't think the voters are actually with them that much. If you look at the big questions confronting the country today, the big tech issue, the trade and jobs issue, the rise of China, on all of those questions, the voters really do recognize that the old ways of doing things don't make any sense anymore. And so they're looking for a new direction. Uh, they're looking for us to sort of continue the pathway that's been set over the last four years. And so as much as there's a civil war at the elite level, I really don't think there's much of a civil war among the actual voters. I think also there's a note of caution that we all keep in mind here because you've got the New York Times magazine, for example, running this piece, Liz Cheney versus MAGA. We all know divide and conquer, one of the oldest strategies in the book. And there's certainly a lot to be gained by Democrats by focusing and trying to fan the flames of, of this. Uh, but, but what do you think the GOP messaging right now at this stage, we're basically at the hundred days of, of Biden, Mark, and people have started to see, at least I certainly think they're seeing, that this is a leftist, climate-worshipping, Stalinist, authoritarian, nutso party in a lot of ways, but there's not a lot of effective counter-messaging from the Republican side. I'm not saying legislation, I know they don't have the votes, but JD, you understand where the heart and soul of the party is these days, especially in, in the middle of the country. So what should the message be? Yeah, it's a good point. And I think we, we have to just have a positive vision of what we want the country to actually look like. And you know, my, my basic answer to this question is, look, we want people to be able to live their lives, go eat at a restaurant if they want to, send their kids to school. We want them to be, to be able to speak without censorship, whether that's censorship on social media, or censorship from their employers. A lot of people are worried about losing their jobs if they just speak basic conservative views that they hold. And we want them to be able to have a good middle-class job, a good middle-class wage if they work hard and are willing to play by the rules. And you know, in, in each of those spheres, I think unfortunately the Democratic Party is pushing in the other direction, especially on the censorship question. I, I think we're living in this weird moment where uttering basic common sense conservative views, even if you disagree with them, they were at least acceptable and polite discourse even five, six, seven years ago. Now we're reaching a point where the Democratic Party, the presidential administration, the Biden administration, in cahoots with big tech is making it hard for people just to say what they think about things. And I, I happen to think that the most important part of being an American citizen is participating in the public debate about our democracy. If you're worried that you're gonna be censored, you're worried you're gonna be fired from your job for saying something you believe in, you really don't have that most important American liberty. And I think Republicans have to stand up for that, if nothing else. Do you think that there's some lessons learned being applied or, or could be applied, perhaps a better way to put it, about the, the lack of, an, of, of some white working class voters participation in the last election in, in key states? Uh, Michigan, obviously, I know you're in Ohio and Ohio went for Trump, but there were a number of places, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, were a pretty small difference in, well, the vote in general, but specifically in the white working class vote. People who had even voted for Obama in a previous election either switched over to uh, voting for Biden or just decided not to show up, which I think is probably the bigger problem. How can the GOP reach out to those folks? Or is the Democrat Party essentially doing the work for them by pushing more radical agenda items? I think it's a little bit of both. I think we can always do more to reach out to those voters, and you're exactly right. If you look at 
you know, just critical counties from 2060 to 2020, one of the things we could definitely improve on is igniting that same 2016 passion that existed among the white working class voters. Uh, but you're also seeing some evidence that whether it's the white or black or brown working class, the radicalism, especially on social and cultural issues, is pushing those folks to the Republican Party. Uh, these are not voters who hate their country. These are not voters who don't think there's a difference between men and women. These are not voters who think that we need to deconstruct children's gender when they're six years old. And so the, the, the craziness of the left may do a lot of the work for us, but you know, I always think we should take the initiative and do as much as we can ourselves. How would you assess, we're at this week now where we've got the uh, Biden address to a joint session of Congress. I mean, not a State of the Union, but basically State of the Union. They just, you know, for tradition and historical purposes, they don't call it that. We're going to be hearing a lot of stuff from Biden tomorrow. Just today, he came out with a mask on outside to tell everybody you don't need to mask up outside if you're vaccinated. How do you assess what we've seen uh, in the first hundred days from this administration? And where do you think the primary weaknesses are for Republicans to step in and say, this is where they're leading you astray? Yeah, well, you know, I don't know really who's driving the wheel of the Biden administration. It seems like he's got a lot of powerful staff members and, of course, the vice president who seem to be driving a lot of the agenda. I think the agenda itself is quite radical. If you look at the substance of what they're trying to do, you know, it's not just they're spending a lot of money, but they're spending it on Democratic Party cultural priorities. You know, a, a bugaboo of mine is that they seem obsessed with the two income family model that's prevalent among the professional class. They want to send every kid into daycare instead of making it easier for parents to care for their own children. But that's just one issue. There are a lot of issues where they're pushing their own cultural values uh, onto the rest of the country. The other thing that they're doing is they're pretty radical about their quest and their willingness to take additional power for themselves. You know, the D.C. statehood issue, the packing of the Supreme Court issue, the elimination of the filibuster issue, all of these effectively mean consolidation of Democratic rule, making it harder for Republicans to win and then exercise political power. But I think the structural willingness to alter American democracy has been something I've probably been most terrified of. But I, I think that the way in which they've most opened themselves up to criticism and give Republicans an opportunity is just, they're just so crazy on the cultural issues. I think we saw this a few weeks ago where the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, one of our most important diplomats, got up there and basically accused America of being a systemically racist country to its very core, that it was founded on white supremacy instead of liberty, justice for all. You know, the, the idea that the country is just a bad place with bad people who live in it is something that not even most Democratic voters agree with. And I think people want improvements in the country. They want their lives a little bit easier. They want it a little bit, uh, you know, they, they want some possibility of, of gaining a middle class job for themselves. They want their government to make it easier, not harder to do that. But they don't want to tear down their own country and their, their own society in the process. And I think, unfortunately, Democrats have lost that focus on making people's lives better and instead have emphasized the cultural anti-American radicalism. And I think that gives Republicans a lot of opportunities. J.D., before we let you go, speculation out there that you might be throwing your hat in the ring for a Senate contest in the great state of Ohio. What can you tell us? Well, I'll give you the, the, the politician's answer that I'm thinking about it very seriously, but not yet ready to make an announcement or, or make a decision. But uh, we'll let you know when I do. We'll keep following it. Thanks so much, J.D. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. Take care. Andrew Cuomo is still the governor of New York and still denying he did anything wrong. An update on the ongoing Cuomo saga. That and more in Quick Hits coming up.
We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable. The government's passing massive spending bills, the Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We can all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Give them a call, 833-600-GOLD, 833-600-G-O-L-D. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A cringeworthy tribute to Jen Psaki and Governor Andrew Cuomo is sticking to his guns. We've got those stories coming up in Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. Let's start with Governor Cuomo. Is he the worst in the country? No, it's probably Newsom, as much as I hate to admit this, for his policies. But as a person, I think Cuomo's number one. But he certainly doesn't think, well, he thinks he's number one, but not in the worst way. He thinks he's great. He's the one that got us through the pandemic, sort of. I mean, he resulted in, or his decisions resulted in a whole lot of unnecessary death for seniors who are residents of New York State, but you're not supposed to know about that because he covered that up. But then we found out about that. And then we found out that he also is creepy with women who work for him. That much is for sure. Uh, He was asked about this. The governor of New York asked about this in a recent press conference. And here is what Cuomo had to say. A number of women have obviously accused you of acts, including groping, including overt sexual harassment of employees. You have pled for people to take an investigation into account. But you are in those rooms. You know the truth. So can you tell the people of the state of New York, yes or no, did you do the things you were accused of? No. No. And that's why I said uh, when when people suggested, uh, uh, yeah, put it very simply, no. No. That's right. That's right. Yes. If Tish James's report comes back and finds the contrary, considering that you've said zero tolerance for sexual harassment in this state, will you discipline yourself or consider resigning? Yeah, the report can't say anything different because I didn't do anything wrong. Can't say anything different. The tyrant of New York. I still think he's going to hang in there. I know that there are people who believe that this report will say, but it won't be definitive, don't you see? It'll end up being his word against somebody else's word. And he'll say, well, I guess we can never know. I'll keep being the governor. That's how Democrats play the game. You almost got to, I mean, you've got to despise the grossness of people like Cuomo, but you can kind of admire 
the, the uh, narcissistic tenacity is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Um, Joe Biden, speaking of tenacity and standing there when it's time to quit, time to find something else to do, somehow this guy, after multiple failed attempts, has become the president of the United States. And that means who knows who's really running the government right now? Open question. I have some ideas. Uh, here's Biden today during his not really press conference, his public statement, and then he took some questions. And this then led to who's really in charge questions. President Harris, the Indonesia, Indonesia. will you make it faster to get for them to get the vaccine? The vaccines we will get soon. India, India. they're suffering at what this moment. What do you moment. say to the folks in will India? Look, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to just last question I'll take, and I, I'm really going to be in trouble. Last question he's going to take, or he's going to be in trouble. I know everyone's saying who's he going to be in trouble with, but you know, like he's an old guy. That's how he talks. I, I don't think that that's really. But it does get everyone thinking. It it triggers that part of brains that go. You're the president. Can't you do whatever you want? No, no one else is calling the shots here, right? I mean, oh, maybe your handlers? Are your handlers the ones that are making these determinations for you? Hmm. Val Demings is a Democrat, and she weighed in. Remember the Makia Bryant shooting of last week? Got a lot of attention. Came right after the Derek Chauvin verdict. And for those of us that watched that video that saw in very clear, uh, in very clear way on that body camera, what was, what happened with Makia Bryant, uh, it seemed like a legal shooting, no question about it. Still a tragedy, it's a young girl, she's dead, that's terrible, but a legal shooting, and the officer did nothing wrong. In fact, the police officer did what he was supposed to do. And here is Democrat Val Demings, who is at least willing to defend the officer somewhat, here's what she said. When I served as a police chief, what I prayed for daily was that my police officers would respond as they are trained to do. The limited information that I know in viewing the video, it appears that the officer responded as he was trained to do with the main thought of preventing a tragedy and, and a loss of life of the person who was about to be assaulted. The officer did the right thing. We, we need to be clear about what's being said here. We need to be clear under the circumstances about what this uh, former police chief herself and, and member of uh, and, and Democrat now in elected office is saying this officer did what he was trained to do. Therefore, he did the right thing under the circumstances. Obviously, it's very sad. No one's saying this is the way things should have gone. But the officer responded appropriately. And it's good to see at least one Democrat who's willing to come out and say that. And now to loosen things up a little bit as we come toward the, uh, the end of our Hold the Line program today, we have uh, TikTok, which if you don't know is a social media platform, perhaps best known for people doing silly dances and uh, impressions, videos, things like that. Some folks were on TikTok praising Jen Psaki today. And since we saw it, we figured you should have to see it too. Censoring me, uh, who was just censor giving that... She came in like a sucky bug. Yeah, she's nothing like that robot blonde. Or a hug of your She handles questions refreshingly. She's our press secretary. This may be hard to believe. We don't spend a lot of time talking about or thinking about President Trump here. Former President Trump, uh, to, to be very clear. Mm. It's worth it to show you that 
<laughs> the Sean Spicer in the, in the green, um, I don't know what you call that, the dancing from the stars outfit, but uh, spicy. All right, that's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly up next, Shields High.